Hey guys, it's Keela from the Page Turner. Thanks for tuning in to our Throwback Thursday segment right here on Anchor. So today I want to talk to you guys about The Boxcar Children by Gertrude Chandler Warner. This is a huge series. There are over 150 books. I think right now it's closer to 175 books in the series. So just a massive series. I have not read all 170 some books. So don't take my word as a boxcar children expert, but there are some things about the series that I think are really, really cool. Um, there are also some things about the series that I'm not a huge fan of, and I'll tell you about those too. But I think it's a good kids series, and um, I'm sure you've heard of it. I want to hear what you guys think about it. Now, the first boxcar children book came out in 1924, so... I'm going to make the assumption that anyone listening to this uh, segment is young enough that you had the boxcar children as an option when you were a kid. Um, I probably read between 20 and 30 of the books as a kid, so I definitely didn't read them all. I'm no boxcar children expert, but I read enough of them as a kid that you would call me a big fan. Um, that's probably an above average number of books from one series for a kid to read. Um, so I definitely did enjoy them as a kid. I will give the books that. Um, and they kind of fell off my radar after I graduated to more difficult books. They're written for a pretty young age level. The author was a first grade teacher. So she kind of aimed it at her students um, being read the books aloud and then those students being able to read the books independently in grades two, three, four, five, um, as they get to become more independent readers. The series kind of dropped off my radar for 10 to 15 years um, until last year. Now, Michael has four younger siblings that are homeschooled. Um, they range in age from five to ten. And they were reading the boxcar children for one of their school projects. And it kind of reminded me of the series. I thought it'd be something kind of fun for me to be able to talk about them with. So I picked up the first couple of books in the series from the library. Now, it only takes me about 25 minutes to read one of the Boxcar Children books, so definitely not a huge chunk of my time. Um, and in the last year, I've read, I think, six of them. Um, some of them were ones I had read before, some of them were new to me. And I finished another one this week. I'm kind of on the fence about the one I just finished, which is why it's been on my mind and why I want to talk about it with you guys. In the past 95 years, the books have been changed. Um, I wouldn't say quite a bit, but they've definitely made some big changes. They've changed um, things like the kids' age. They've changed some character names. They've changed a few minor plot details to make them more relatable and more appropriate um, for the time period. And I think that's pretty impressive that they've been able to keep this book for kids that's still of interest to kids today 
alive and well for 95 years. I think that says a lot about how well Gertrude Chandler Warner um, was able to write these books when they first came out. She said that while she was writing the book, she read every chapter multiple times to her students and made it she went through the revision until she was certain that all of her students would love the books. Um, a lot of the stories involve the four kids doing things independently, which definitely appeals to kids. I think that was one of the things I liked about it as a kid, but reading that as an adult, I was kind of caught off guard by how independent these kids truly are. Let me give you a quick refresher before we go any further. We have our four orphaned Elden children as the main characters in the Boxcar Children series. Henry is the oldest. He is 14. Um, Jessie is the oldest girl. She is 12. Her sister Violet is 10 years old. And Benny is the youngest at 7. So you've got four kids. They are, um, they've been orphaned for some time and they've grown up estranged from their grandfather. So the whole idea in the first book is that these kids are scared that they'll be forced to go live with their grandpa, who they think is going to be a pretty mean guy. So they decide to live in an abandoned boxcar in the woods. Uh, and Henry gets a job working as a gardener and the other kids go and loot garbage dumps and find all the necessary supplies they need to live. And they live in this boxcar for a few months before um, Jessie, who is that oldest girl, gets kind of sick. And then a doctor who's been keeping an eye on them from afar tells their grandpa that now they're in a point that they need help. And the grandpa steps in. He's an incredibly lovable guy. The kids had no idea why... Um, they were so scared of him, and they all live happily ever after. That's the boxcar children in one minute. And in the books after this first one, the kids um, just live their happy lives of being amateur sleuths, uh, backyard adventurers, and rich kids in general. Um, their grandpa is a very rich steel baron, which... Uh, in the 1920s was definitely one of the richer things you could be. They have a lot of money they don't really want for anything, and um, their money doesn't change the characters. I'll give them that. None of their personalities change after going from um, being basically homeless and scavenging for their food and becoming... Uh, kids who live in a rich house with servants and have absolutely anything they want. So first off, let's talk about some of the things that I like about these books. <clears throat> the first thing being um, the characters themselves. Now there are times that Benny gets to sound a little bit whiny or um, Henry or Jesse kind of sound like a know-it-all. They're definitely near-perfect characters, um, but they're very likable. There's not anything that I can say about them um, that's negative. They are all fiercely upbeat, they are very independent, they're all very intelligent, and I think they're good characters that um, 
if kids can relate to them, they could be great people for these for the young readers to model themselves after. Um, one thing that pops up time and time again is the kids will disagree. They'll have different ideas, um, but in the end, they will do whatever they can to support their siblings and their friends, um, which is really cool. You don't always see that in kids' books. Um, it's not that kids' books ever have any huge fight scenes or anything like that, but they do disagree, and they will um, have a hard time admitting that they're wrong, but the Alden children never do. Um, which is a cool thing to add into a children's book. It might not be as relatable for kids, but it's definitely setting a good example. Um, and these kids are amateur sleuths. That's kind of where the direction of the series goes after the first book. They kind of go off wherever their grandpa sends them and solve little mysteries here and there. Um, and now none of these mysteries are huge, um, huge catastrophes that are really threats to anybody. It's little stuff like thefts and uh, mysterious happenings that are frightening everyday people. The boxcar children that I've read have never been in a situation where they're in immediate danger, um, but they're definitely pushing it once in a while. They're very independent, they do whatever they think is right, and they aren't afraid to ask for help when they need it. And I think all of these things are really good messages to have thrown into a kid's book, especially a kid's book that is going to hold their interest. Um, it's not a book about being a good person, it's a book about having an adventure while being a good person. Another really cool thing about this series is that you can read it in whatever order you want to. Um, there might be some times when you only get the backstory through the narration of the current book, um, and it would be cool to have the backstory, but you really could read this book in any order and still enjoy it. Um, in fact, when I was a kid, I definitely didn't have the books in order. Um, I definitely didn't read them in any particular order, and I still really enjoyed them. Um, the downside to that, of course, is that the series doesn't have as much character development as other um, series do. However, there aren't very many long series that are catered to um, readers aged 6 to 10. This isn't something that... Um, a writer usually strives to make a series for, so the fact that there are um, nearly 200 books that are all featuring these characters and featuring more or less the same message is really cool. The books could appeal to anybody because even if you don't care about the Alden children solving a mystery at their summer home, you might want to hear about them solving a theft at a museum, and if that's not your cup of tea, then uh, you can read about them solving an arson case at a uranium mine. There's all kinds of different mysteries that these kids get themselves wrapped up to, wrapped up in, um, and if you 
have a young reader and you know that a certain book isn't going to appeal to them, you can skip it and do whatever you can to make sure that the book is something that's going to hold that reader's interest. Um, for kids 6 to 8, they aren't reading a ton of books yet. They might only be reading, um, you know, what takes me 25 minutes to read as a grown-up would probably take a young reader a couple hours to read. So maybe they're only reading one book a week and that's perfectly fine. That's great that they're reading independently and doing that. So um, for this to be a 200 book series of chapter books is really impressive in and of itself. 40s where um, it wasn't a commonplace thing for people to have extra disposable income. Um, so part of that I think was a very deliberate attempt for, by Gertrude Chandler Warner to make these kids relatable to everyday kids. Um, but when we put that into a modern point of view, when right now kids can basically get whatever they want to, even if kids don't have a lot of money, things toys and games can be produced at such a cheap price that um, kids all have more than one toy. They've got more or less the ability to have whatever kinds of toys they want, but that's not anything the boxcar children want. The Alden kids are very independent. Most of the activities they're doing are free and cheap. They've got very poor friends. In fact, I'll be talking about their friend Mike in a few minutes once I get to the parts of the book series that I don't like as much. However, um, I think it's pretty cool that these kids have all the money that they could ever want, but what makes them happiest is spending time with their friends and their family and playing outside and going to the beach and running around with their dog. Um, I think it's a nice wholesome series where you see kids who have every opportunity to become spoiled, um, but they don't, and I think that's purely from their choice. Their grandfather seems like the kind of guy who would shower them with gifts if they expressed any interest in that, so I think I, I've made the assumption that these kids are not spoiled because they don't see that being a fun activity. about each other and love each other and want the best for each other um, but I'm very curious first off why the Eldon's parents were estranged from their grandfather um, it's not a normal thing to wake up one day and say that you don't want to talk to your dad ever again and you don't want your kids to ever meet your dad. So something must have happened to cause that rift between the Alden kids' parents and their grandfather. Um, and at the point where the stories of these kids is coming out, it doesn't seem to matter too much anymore um, because their grandfather clearly put whatever kind of bitter feelings he had about not having these kids in his life aside. He's ready to take on that relationship, and he's, um, he's a very good guardian to them.
So I don't think that it's bad that they're having that relationship. And I'm glad that he was able to form a strong relationship with his grandkids. However, I'm very curious why, um, why his children chose to cut them out of his life. Now, if we want to take that one step farther, this is definitely me reading too much into a kid's series. Um, but thinking about that cousin slash Uncle Joe, when he first pops up, it makes it sound like it's been several years since their cousin Joe had talked to the grandfather either. Um, so I'm wondering if he did something that either he cut off his whole family or his entire family chose to cut him out. Um, I think something drastic had to have happened in the past that, um, hopefully the kids will never have to know what kind of problems their family has had in the past. It sounds like they're all ready to move forward, but I think that is kind of an interesting thing that's looming in the background. One other thing, and the point of not having a traditional family, is that sometimes I think the older two kids, who are Henry, age 14, and Jesse, age 12, are having to take on roles that are not necessarily appropriate for their age. Um, so, at one point in the most recent book that I read, it was called Mike's Mysteries, um, and in that you hear an adult who is, um, not a member of the Eldon family at all. He is someone that works for their grandfather telling 12 year old Jesse that she's the closest thing Benny will ever have to a mom. And I think, um, when I first read it, it's a little bit heartwarming to think of, oh, that's really sweet. But then you think that this girl is 12. That's a lot of pressure on a 12-year-old, um, and, um, Benny will never have a mother. His mother is gone. He doesn't have a father who might remarry. He won't have a stepmom. Um, he's kind of beyond the point that you would say he'll ever have a mom, but he might find a mother figure, um, and it's dangerous to put that kind of pressure on a 12-year-old where, um, you know, she was five, when Benny was born, and you don't know how long their parents have been dead, um, but it's at least been a couple of years. So for her to have to take on the role of mother to a five-year-old when she was 10, let's just say that's when it happened, is really sad when you think about it. Um, she's still very much a child. She's very smart, she's very creative, she's very artistic, but she's also just a kid. Um, and when I thought more about that conversation further, I was really disappointed in how they had that opportunity to say, you're so mature, you're such a great sister, and instead they had to say, you're a great mom at 12 years old. Odd, um, and I think it's also odd that the kid's grandfather approves them to go out and spend just piles of money on putting together this thing for their friend's mom when the grandpa himself didn't take any steps to make sure that the people who live on his land and work for his company 
are struggling to the point that it sounds like Mike and his mom were before that. Um, I don't think that's something a kid would pick up on, but reading it as an adult, it really stuck out to me as a, um, why were things getting to the point that the only option these kids thought they had was to completely change everything about this woman's life. They went as far as to build her a completely new house after hers burnt down. Um, and I think it was, the kids saw it as just them doing something nice for each other, but the cynical adult inside of me um, sees it as the grandfather failing to meet his the expectations that his employees should have had for him. I don't want to sound too cynical because I know that's how it's coming across. I'm glad that these kids did a nice thing. I'm glad these kids saw an issue and did what they could to solve it. Um, but I think it would have been a much better conclusion to Mike's mom's story if they would have found a long-term solution that would have allowed her to do um, whatever she thought she wanted to with her life. Um, without just getting tons and tons of gifts from the Alden children and their grandfather and a few other people who worked for the company. They are very, very trusting of every single person that they meet. Um, which isn't realistic. It might be realistic that an eight-year-old isn't, um, is trusting of someone new that he meets, but I don't think it's realistic that an eight-year-old who's trying to find a diamond thief trusts every adult that he meets. Um, this book series would have been really impressive with some kind of addition of these type of moral gray areas, but it's, um, they're not in here. Everything is completely black and white. The characters are either all good or all bad. Um, nobody seems to have any secrets. Obviously, the grandfather has some secrets, um, but anytime the kids ask him a question, he responds with a full answer very enthusiastically. I just, I think that that's not very realistic for that type of adult-child relationship. Um, and then we see that also in bad characters. So when we have our... I don't know that villain is the right word for a kid's book like this, but when you have your bad guys in these books, they aren't like the bad guys um, that you see in other books. There's no gray area to these ones. Um, in Mike's Mystery, the story I was telling you about earlier, we see a criminal who's being chased by the FBI. He's recently out of prison. He's 100% a bad guy, very dangerous to be around. Um, and I think it would have been interesting, maybe not to start a discussion on eco-terrorism, but for someone in the story to have pointed out, yeah, he wants to blow up this uranium mine because he doesn't want the uranium here to end up in bombs killing people elsewhere. Um, nowhere in any place that I've read in the story, do we hear about the intentions that the villain has? They're always just 100% bad guys. 
they're not bad people who had good intentions. They're not um, good people who made a stupid mistake. They're always 100% bad trying to do something bad um, and it's hurting people in a bad way. So I think it would have been very interesting to see how Gertrude Chandler Warner would have addressed some of those issues, and maybe it was because of the time period these books were written in. Maybe it was because she only wanted um, easy-to-understand books for kids. Either way, um, the book series is good, but I think it would have been even better if she had tried to add in some of that ambiguity in characters. All in all, I would say The Boxcar Children is a great uh, book series for kids. It's very unique in that it has a huge length and a huge variety of topics that would appeal to a beginning reader um, with any kind of interests. I think the characters are overall really well written. I would like to see more character developments, um, but I think they are good role models for kids. I think if any kid said that they wanted to be like Henry Eldon or Jesse Eldon um, or Violet or Benny even, that would be a good thing. The kids in this book are good people, they make good decisions, um, and they are very independent and happy to learn new things. So I think in those respects this is a really good series for um, kids to pick up and learn from. There are some things that I don't like about the series. Um, I think it's definitely some interesting contrasts between um, the family members' secrets that they're keeping for themselves. I think there's definitely some issues between social classes, and even though the kids aren't flaunting their wealth, they definitely... Um, have a skewed idea of what life is like because of the amount of money they have at their disposal. Um, and the characters who are the bad guys in the story don't really have a, any backstory other than they're bad and they've always done bad things. So I think with those few little changes it would be an even better series. It's definitely a good one. There aren't any types of kids that I would discourage from reading The Boxcar Children. If you haven't read the series since you were a kid, if you're looking for a half-hour activity, try picking another one up. It is kind of fun to read as an adult and look back at some of the things that I thought was normal as a kid. Um, definitely a fun series for kids.